0: Hello, everyone, and a warm welcome to Invesco's latest Ben Squared podcast, our attempt at a 10 minute update covering the major market stories uh, and themes and delivered to you by Ben Jones, Invesco's head of macro research and myself, uh, Ben Gutteridge, Invesco's head of Ben Gutteridge Promotions. Uh, Ben, thanks for being with us again. How are you? I'm good. It's a slightly grey and miserable morning, but
1: um, you know we've got to got to plod on and uh, find our way through these markets. And uh, to be
0: honest, Ben, look, always the better for for speaking to you on a Monday morning. <laughs> Great. Well, in in the face of that misery. What better way to sort of lift people up, not just through this uh, podcast, uh, but also to to remind the audience that if you want to enjoy an extended conversation between yourself and me. And wow, doesn't that sound absolutely delicious? uh, You can do so by uh, visiting uh, the Investgo website, get onto the Investment Intelligence Webinars segment uh, and there you can find uh, a replay of a very recent conversation that we had uh, a little bit more at length, going into a little bit more detail on, on markets and investment strategies. So tongue in cheek. But uh, I, I do believe it was a, a very th- um, thoughtful and uh, useful conversation that we had. But anyway, uh, we'll turn to. Go to- on, Ben. And they get, to, they get to see us as well, not just sort of listen to our uh, <laughs> beautiful dulcet tones as well. So well, I do not want, want to put them freak. off, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. OK. So today, yeah, we're going to return to the sort of dominant market discussion points centred around, I think, like, you know, the prospects for a hard or soft landing in the US or maybe even no landing at all. But also want to discuss uh, or get some comment from you, Ben, on the sort of Chinese leaderships. I think sort of increasing efforts to intervene with their sort of economy and markets and see what you make of that. Uh, but before uh, any of this, just want to remind the audience this podcast is intended for UK professional investors only, shouldn't be considered as investment advice, and that any capital invested is always capital at risk. And finally, do hang on after the conversation's finished to hear some additional important disclaimers. Okay, Ben, soft, ha- soft landings, hard landings. I, we note that we've got some encouraging uh, inflation data out at the tail of last week, at the PCE measure. I think it's sort of often touted as the Fed's favourite measure. I'm not sure if that's sort of still the case, but it began with a two, which is uh, is really encouraging. It was like 2.9, but still began with a two. And as far as I can tell, I mean, I don't watch the data as closely as you, but like consumers are still spending. Uh, so that's all sort of like quite a helpful mix, you know, resilient growth better inflation numbers, and, and, as, and as we've seen in terms of sort of markets response. I mean, But what are you seeing, Ben, in terms of the data that sort of supports uh, the sort of soft landing narrative? Before then, I will sort of flip to ask if there's anything you're worried about.
1: Yeah, of course. Look, um thanks Ben. Last week um there was quite a bit of data out. Um the one you didn't quote there was the the US GDP number and the real GDP number for the US for the fourth quarter of twenty twenty three came in at three point three percent, which was a little bit lower than the Q three reading, but well ahead of the confet census um forecasts and really sort of goes to, to reaffirm that in the US at least growth is ticking along really quite nicely, a lot better than um, people um, are expecting. Um, The other number that jumped out at me last week, um, again on Friday, was the the pending home sales. They came in at uh, 8.3%, again, well ahead. Of, um, of consensus. Um, now, if you've got um, home sales taking place, what do people go and do when they buy a new house? But well, they also then go and buy new white goods and carpets and um, things to do up that house. So that encourages um, spending. So there was, a, there was a lot in that data that suggests, you know what, actually, that um, growth is coming along um, reasonably um, reasonably nicely. Then on the inflation side that you mentioned there, um, so um, yeah, core PCE as you said came in at 2.9%. So has a two handle on it. Um, the interesting stat that people are throwing around over the over the end of last week though was if you annualize out the last six months of readings on core PCE, it comes in not with a two handle but with a one handle. It comes in at 1.9%. Um, and I think you are right to highlight then that. The um, core BC is probably the Fed's preferred measure. Um, so, if you're looking at that particular measure of inflation, that says, you know what, the, the Fed may very well cut in, um, in March, despite the fact that if you look at the growth figures, everything is humming along really quite nicely.
0: Well, I think, uh, you know, depending on which metrics you use to um, assess the probability, um, I, I think it's sort of on a knife edge, isn't it, as to whether the sort mm. of the market at large sort of thinks the Fed is going to cut in March. It is, yeah.
1: I mean, again, I, mean, I think we've got the FOMC meeting this week. Um, it'll be interesting to see whether they sort of push back on that um, that at all. Um, so I think that's going to be, yeah, key key to watch. Um, but yeah, it is it is kind of on a um, on a knife edge at the moment. And it's sort of interesting, isn't it, that we, we sort of have these discussions about soft landing, hard landing. Certainly, if we're heading into a hard landing, the Fed is going to cut aggressively. If we go into a soft landing, the sort of expectation is that the the Fed does these sort of maintenance cuts and trims um, a little bit. But there is some stuff in the data that's saying it's not a soft landing, it's not a hard
0: landing, it's a fly past. Yeah, well, let's, let's get into that, Ben. Um, uh, we could come back to hard landing if we have time. But, yeah, I mean, w- w- what is the risk here that uh, inflation sort of comes, comes sort of surging back, or at least back, uh, yeah. and, you know, heaven forbid, You know, you start thinking about interest rate hikes back on the table. That that wouldn't be received well by markets. I wouldn't have thought. You know, what what are you seeing? Why why do you want to discuss this subject? Yeah, so I mean, it's definitely a a key risk. I think there's two elements to the risk. So the
1: the first element is that if the demand conditions hold up really um, strongly, um, and again, if we look at the what is going to be driving inflation, it's going to be consumer demand. Now, look, we're we're part way through earnings season at the moment. It's a big week this week for earnings, but. Some of the early numbers that we saw, we saw a lot of the banks reporting um, and they generally commented that credit card spending was quite strong and consumer confidence was, was pretty decent. Um, Visa came out and they beat consensus expectations and again the comments on the uh, analyst call there was very much that consumer spending remained um, very resilient to the credit card channels um, obviously. So you've got those areas pointing to strong consumer um, demands and if Obviously, end businesses, retailers are seeing that. Well, then you can think, well, hang on a minute, why don't we raise prices once again, particularly in the face of what is still relatively elevated um, wage growth? So, wage growth is still um, still very strong. Um, companies have got to be thinking about pricing power. So, we could see a resurgence of inflation through those channels. Now, if that happens, I'm not quite so worried, really, because you've got the growth angle okay. coming through, and that's that's not sort of necessarily a, a bad. Um, cocktail if especially if you sort of land between this kind of two and three three and a half percent say that's not that terrible the bigger worry um, for me at the moment is that you get more of the supply shocks coming through and again we've seen that over the last week start to rear its head again um, we've talked previously about events in the um in the red sea um, an oil tanker was hit uh, on Friday, I think, or over the weekend at least, anyway. So, and that sent some ripples through the oil market. And again, we know that um, oil prices moving higher, shipping costs are moving higher, that does ultimately feed through into higher levels of inflation. Um, now, again, there's lags involved there, but it's not the good type of inflation. If that comes through, I think that's going to be the area that maybe takes um, some of the sort of risk appetite out of the market, if you will.
0: Yeah, well, we'll certainly keep an eye on that one. And then I did say we would sort of touch. On hard landing are you seeing I know recession is not your core view this year are you are you feeling more and more confident in that position um uh, based on what you're sort of seeing in the data yes,
1: look it's not my core view um, at the moment. um I have to fully hold my hands up and admit that I was more pessimistic on growth like many people were last year um so there is a risk that I sort of flip the other way and make the same mistake again but looking at the data coming through, and obviously, the GDP number that we saw last week in particular, um, we're not in a recession at the moment. The labor market continues to hold up really very strongly. And as we've discussed before, the sort of pass through of of higher interest rates is is really quite slow, um, especially in the US, but even in other markets around the world, it's slower than it was um, before. So I certainly wouldn't say there's a zero probability of a recession this year. Things can change really um, quite quickly. And, and an oil shock that we, we touched on briefly a second ago um, can and has been in the past the, the catalyst that drives uh, markets into recession. So that's definitely a risk that we've got to um, got to watch um, very closely. Um, and if there is something that triggers some other kind of sharp uh, unemployment increase. If companies think they can't raise prices, but they are worried about wages, they may start to lay off people. That would send the the consumer spending load um, slower. <clears throat> Excuse me. And look, the consumer spending is the thing that drives the um, the U.S. economy. So that's the thing we've got to watch. Really, is anything that takes um, consumer sentiment um, down. So, look, watching this closely, and if my view changes. We'll be talking about it, obviously, on this podcast, but at the moment, um, yeah, uh, certainly a deep recession uh, or a recession of sort of a technical nature, for me, isn't quite on the cards in the uh, in the next few months and, and possibly not for 2024.
0: Okay, right. Well, ra- thanks, Ben. We'll round out with a comment uh, or, or your thoughts on China. I mean, as far as I can tell, there is sort of creeping policy effort, uh, some in relation to sort of supporting you know, real estate, some sort of social housing programs that I can see, some a little bit sort of technical, almost as if they would be like trying to support market sentiment uh, as well. But I mean, uh, what is your take on these sort of policies and and what is your take uh, on the scale of these policies and, and how's that sort of informing your sort of view on investing in the area? Yeah, I think it's interesting, Ben. I mean, look, China, from an equity perspective, is one of the sort
1: of, um, you could argue, is the most attractively valued uh, market um, at the moment. Um, in fact, interestingly enough, as well, the dividend yield uh, paid on Chinese equities is now about, about 3.2% versus um, 3% for the rest of um, emerging markets, so it offers that support. Um, superior dividend yield at the moment, which again some people are talking up as a as a big um, positive. Um, but the problem with China really is that there hasn't really been the animal spirits in China. There's obviously the, the domestic demand for for Chinese stocks, um, and certainly over 2023, there hasn't been the domestic uh, the, sorry the foreign demand for um, Chinese stocks as well. So the northbound flow going through the stock connect, we saw record outflows last year. And so far in 2024, that has continued as well. So we need to see something that's going to sort of catalyze those um, animal spirits, if you will. Um, now you said there, the, the policy that we've seen over the sort of recent um, week or so has been technical. The other word that I would use to describe it would be perhaps um, targeted. Um, I think both of those words are apt. So we've seen 50 uh, basis points, triple um, R cuts. We've seen some um, cuts also from re-lending and rediscounting discounting rates. But they, as you say, they've been sort of targeted at sort of some of the the agricultural sector, and um, there's been some stock buying programs coming through, and specific bond issuance um, as well. But it all feels to me still a little bit sort of piecemeal in nature, um, and not enough to get either domestic or foreign investors to go, you know, what all of the risks that we've seen over the last um, few years or so, all of the regulatory risks, for example, there it's not enough to offset that negativity. So I think some of the policy action that has taken place over recent weeks may um, sort of um, stem the stem the flow a little bit in China. Um, but is it enough to get animal spirits back? I'm not really convinced that it is yet. Now, that's not to say that there aren't opportunities in China. There's, there's really good opportunities, I'm sure, for stock picking people that are smarter than, uh, than me. Um but, in terms of my view of the world and the way that I approach the world, would I jump in and buy Chinese equities just as an index on mass kind of blindly? I wouldn't do it at the moment. I haven't really seen um seen enough now that probably means that I'm going to be late to the party at some point when um when this rallies but um no at the moment, I still see um China as a bit of a bit of a value trap if i'm honest
0: yeah yeah no quite quite and uh for a moment there, I thought you wanted to reference, sort of say, well, there's smarter people than you and I. And you just chose yourself, Ben, but you have permission to include me in that, uh, in, that bra- in that company. Well, the, going you see, the reason I didn't, Ben, is because there are some people that are smarter than you, of course. <laughs> <laughs> OK, well, listen, I, I, I do look forward to coming back to sort of referring to emerging markets. You mean, I, I have this sort of natural caution towards the uh, t- t- towards the market, given the sort of fundamental story does look a bit. Uh, well, certainly looks certainly looks a bit wobbly but um you know maybe that there I know that the individual policies haven't sort of amounted to enough but you know that at least they're sort of looking at it so maybe you know the journey to appropriate policy starts with policy that's sort of not quite there and, and maybe we're on a better trajectory but look we will look but, forward to debating true, that.
1: The one thing I would just say is very quickly is to, to round out on that point is that you're right there is policy t- um, being taken place I think but if we look at China we've got to be very careful about looking at it through the, the lens of western eyes um, and thinking that the policy that maybe is targeted the economy is going to help stocks and the reason that I say that is because if you look at the Um, Chinese equity market and the US equity market, for example, they're very different beasts. Um, In the US, about 70% of the population owns some form of of stock, either through their their pensions or their their other investment sort of um, portfolios. In China, it's only about 15% um, or so. So it's a much, much smaller um, proportion. So the sort of policymakers, the authorities don't need to sort of um, boost Chinese stocks to maybe help the the population, sort of keep the population um, on side, uh, perhaps is one argument why um, you, you look at these two markets a little bit um, different. Um, and I always come back as well, that I think um, really um, Xi Jinping's focus at the moment is very much on um, security rather than the sort of economic growth story that we've seen over the previous sort of 20, 30 years or so, and possibly even a little bit longer. I think the focus is a little bit shifted, a bit different. But you're absolutely right. This is a fascinating topic, and probably one that we should come back to and, and dig into in a little bit more detail in, uh, in future episodes.
0: Yeah, great stuff, Ben. And yeah, thanks for the final uh, interjection. As always, really thoughtful stuff. Uh, but we will call time there, and uh, look forward to speaking to you, Ben, and of course to our audience in uh, in a fortnight's time. But before you go, I do want to remind you all of the uh, the following important disclaimers. That the value of investments and any income will fluctuate. This may partly be the result of exchange rate fluctuations and investors may not get back the full amount invested. This podcast is intended for UK professional clients only and is not for consumer use. Views and opinions are based on current market conditions and are subject to change. This is marketing material and not financial advice. It is not intended as a recommendation to buy or sell any particular asset class, security or strategy. Regulatory requirements that require impartiality of investment or investment strategy recommendations are therefore not applicable nor are any. Any prohibitions to trade before publication issued by Invesco Asset Management Limited, authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority.